Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death and even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father this is the word of the lord all right uh, good morning uh, lord's love can you hear me is the mic on? Okay, great. Um, my, my mic bar wasn't moving. Uh, so, uh, well, with the snowy weather, I hope it finds you well. Uh, I'm sure it's snowing in different parts of um, the lower mainland, uh, whether you're in Coquitlam or all further. Uh, here, it's uh, just a little bit of a wet snow. Maybe you can see it in my background a little bit. I just want to say uh, thank you for the leaders and the deacons that went to church to shovel uh, and to take care of all of that. It uh, really uh, shows your servant heart and taking care of the church, even though uh, we are meeting online, uh, the Cantonese and the Mandarin services still happen and they're still being streamed from church. So there's still some activity going on there. Um, pray for the heat again. I heard it went out uh, <laughs> this morning. So it was a bit chilly uh, in the sanctuary, uh, but it's all good. Uh, hey, as we get started, why don't we just pray? Uh, Father, I thank you again for this morning. I thank you, God, for your faithfulness to us. And as we dive into your word this morning, God, may you give us the mind of Christ. Uh, may you calm our hearts. May you help us to see, Lord, uh, the mind behind the universe uh, this morning as we dive into Philippians 1. I thank you, God, for the men and women that are here. Uh, no matter the weeks that we've had, God, we are here before you and we're eager to hear you. So may you speak to us and may you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, minds to to comprehend you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in the pre-service video, well done, Carrie, by the way, that was her first time hosting the pre-service, but she asked the question, what was the worst job that you ever had? And as I was reflecting about that, I've worked in some pretty interesting places. McDonald's was my first official job that I had. I would like to take credit for inventing the first McDonut uh, at work, uh, though I wasn't supposed to, but I'll share that with you a little bit later. Uh, that's what happens when you're doing the graveyard shift at like 3.30 in the morning. Uh, you find ways uh, to spend your time. Uh, I also have uh, worked at air care for those of you that needed to test your car. Uh, you know, you get your car tested before you can get your insurance uh, for the air quality, uh, for whether your car spewing anything extra out. I've worked construction as well uh, during the summer times 
um, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of uh, work and split, blood, and, well, there was blood uh, and sweat uh, and definitely some tears uh, on some days. But uh, one job that comes to mind for me was uh, back in 2011. Um, Justin and I married in uh, May 2012. So in 2011, it was the last summer before our wedding. I was like, hey, I should probably make some money because I don't want to be in debt as we started off our, our marriage together. And I got this full-time job in the summer uh, along with some other jobs I was, I was working. Uh, but I, I worked at a Developmental Disabilities Association. And my job there was a driver. I was going around the city, you know, those donation bins around the city uh, that you can drop off your clothes or some other items uh, that are gently used, you know, that's the term that they, you know, I was a guy going around to these bins and also to houses picking up these donations. Um, and now, nowadays, you don't see them in Vancouver because they're banned, uh, because a lot of different things have been thrown in there that uh, weren't the best. And so the city got rid of it. But that, I spent a whole summer working there. It was really tough. Um, and I was crawling, you know, I'm six feet tall, crawling into these tiny bins. You know, it was fun in the beginning. It was okay in the beginning, but as the whole summer went on, uh, it started getting to you, right? Uh, I'm grabbing things in there that I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I'm just gonna, you know, <laughs> shove it into the bag and pack it into the truck. I drove this like three ton truck around uh, and my hands were getting, like, I feel like I was getting arthritis from all the holding and grabbing. The worst is when it rained in Vancouver, which is basically every day. And, and, and the, the rain will get into these bins and all the clothes, imagine a whole like four, four or five feet bin full of clothes is soaked. Have you ever tried grabbing wet clothes and how heavy it is? Like that was, you know, anyway, so it's whole summer of that. And, but yet I don't really remember complaining. I remember playing praise music in, in the truck uh, driving, you know, between these different places. And I didn't really complain too much. I, I really think it had to do with uh, what really kept me going was my future in mind. You know, I was thinking of our marriage, I was thinking of our, my relationship, I was thinking of Jess, and I was thinking of, uh, as I was collecting these, these clothing, it was really going to these uh, programs that people really needed that had developmental disabilities and they funded those programs. So it really kept me going. Uh, but also uh, I was working to save up the money and to marry the love of my life. And it made it all the worth more worthwhile uh, for me. And it was having uh, our future in mind that moved me towards doing that in the present. It was tough. It was hard. It was uh, lowly to say, say the least. Uh, again, I found very many, I found interesting things in there, including sometimes uh, it, was, it was humbling because sometimes during, the, uh, during those, uh, when it's raining, people will be hiding out in there. So they actually told me uh, before I unlocked the bin to, to make some noise, you know, to kick the bin a little bit because, and there's actually one time I unlocked it and a guy popped up like, oh, you know, you know, it's, it's pretty scary stuff. Uh, it's pretty humbling of a job, but it kept me going because of the future that I was waiting and what I was working towards. And a question I want to start off with you, and no matter the rough jobs you've had, is, is uh, the question I want to ask you is what, what really moves you in life? Like what moves you forward? Why do you do what you do? Uh, what do you look forward to? What really uh, moves you forward? And today, as we continue on in the series, Authentic and Marks of a Biblical Community, I'm titling the sermon, Having a Mind Like Christ, from Philippians 2, uh, 1 to 11, because we learn this morning in this passage that humility moves us as Christians. Humility moves us closer towards the image of God. That whatever you have in, in mind, whatever thought you have of the future, whatever you understand uh, of your purpose, 
this humility helps us to understand that and it actually moves us towards being closer and more authentic to uh, authentic copy of the image of God. And we can know uh, if we're growing in our faith by answering this question, honestly, are we growing in our humility? That often if we're growing in our faith, humility also grows because humility really is a, a, an indicator of, of authentic faith. Uh, humility is an indicator of, of life that's walking with God. And Philippians 2 is a famous passage. You might have heard it before. You've been around a church. Uh, but it's a famous passage. It's often preached uh, in churches. And as we look at the text today, my, my prayer is that we'll come to understand it not in a really heady kind of way, but we'll come to inherit the mind of Christ. That we'll come to understand the heart of God. That we'll come to see the mind behind the universe that created all things. That my encouragement for us this morning is that to love like Jesus, we need to think like Jesus. Uh, to be a community that God calls us to be, we need to love like him. And we need to have a heart like Jesus. And to be an authentic and biblical community, we need to have this mindset uh, of Christ. So let's, let's jump into it. Uh, Philippians 1 is about Christ. Paul, the writer of this letter, starts it off by saying it's all about Jesus. And one of key marks and the key theme of Philippians can be found in chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. So that, that's a short highlight, but Philippians 1 is all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. Then in Philippians 2, what's next is about putting others first. So Philippians 1, we see how Christ is supreme, that we're to follow him, that, that he is first. And then it leads us to this unity of putting, and this unity comes from putting others next. And verses 1 to 2, which Simon just read for us in Philippians chapter 2, uh, it, it only happens if, as we read chapters, uh, verses one to two here, only happens uh, when we live out verses three to four. So what do I mean here? Let me read it again. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then verse two, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So what Paul is really saying here is that is an if-then statement. If you have verse one, then verse two will happen. If Christ is center of your life, if Christ is, is the center of your life, if Christ is Lord, if you're worshiping God in chapter one, therefore, if any of this, then verse two will happen. If you have any encouragement in Christ, if you have comfort in his love, if you have common sharing in the spirit, if you have the spirit in you, if you have tenderness and compassion and love, then you will be like-minded. Then you will have the same love. Then you have the same spirit and, and you'll be of one mind. And this makes sense for us because if we put Christ first, then we see everything else in light of that. If we put Christ as the center, everything else makes sense in light, light of who he is. If Jesus is Lord in our lives, then we wouldn't have any issues, what Paul is saying, really submitting to each other. Uh, if Christ is Lord and one that we're listening to, then we wouldn't have any issues submitting to each other or being humble around each other. Now we go into verses three to four, and I'm going to move kind of quickly here because I want to get 
into uh, verses 5 to 11 uh, li- li- uh, for us, but we need to understand this here. Uh, verses 3 to 4, the Apostle Paul says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition, which is self-seeking pursuit. That's what the selfish ambition means. Or vain conceit, which is an exaggerated self-evaluation. So I think myself really highly, uh, more highly than I ought to. Instead of that, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Notice again, the wording here is really important, the sequence of the wording and the words that Paul chooses here. In humility, humility comes first. If humility is there, uh, you will value others. Humility is needed first before we value others. Humility means not looking to ourselves here, but looking to others, uh, looking to the people around us. In fact, uh, an antidote to selfishness, an antidote uh, to to pride, is looking to others. You know, if you want not, if you don't want to be pr- prideful, you don't want to be selfish. One way of doing that is actually serving others. <laughs> it's looking to others. That will build up that humility inside of you. And this word here for value uh, also means consider, and we'll see that again in verse six. Uh, I'll get into that later, but this word also means to lead or to guide. So in other words, I, when you value others, you're not letting yourself and your own ambitions guide you, but you're letting others guide you. The interests of others guide you and your heart and your mind, your understanding, you guiding uh, your life. And you'll consider others above yourself when you allow that uh, to happen. And I like the uh, message translation by Eugene Peterson. I don't read it very often or use it very often, but I I find it to be everyday language. He says this, uh, put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So An antidote to selfishness and pride uh, is to look to others. And as we look to others, that's connected to this humility that we need. Now, you might be asking this question, why is humility really that important anyway? Like, you know, can I just live my life on my own or just do my own thing? But humility is important for two reasons that we see here. We see one of the first reasons here is that without humility, we might actually miss entering uh, into the kingdom of God altogether. See, firstly, God doesn't look favorably upon those who are proud. Uh, There's a list of passages that talk about that. Uh, It's because of pride that Satan fell from heaven. It's because of pride that Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. D.L. Moody, he's an evangelist in the 1800s. He says this, be humble or you'll stumble. Uh, I like that. Be humble or, or you'll stumble. And without humility, we might actually miss the kingdom of God. Like Jesus said this in Matthew 18, three to four. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love this because it reminds me of my kids. Uh, I have a son who's six and a daughter who's turning two in, in, in June. But my daughter, she can't say many words right now. And but one of her favorite words right now, which I like to boast about in front of my wife is daddy. Uh, she calls daddy uh, quite, quite often, but often what's connected after that word is usually help. So she usually says, daddy, help is usually to get a snack or to take advantage of me uh, because she knows uh, that I'll give it to her. But 
in the simplicity of that, it really shows her heart. Um, it just shows the simplicity of that language that for us, there's something to be learned in the innocence of children, in the humility of children. There's this humility within children that uh, they haven't been tainted by the ways of the world yet, it seems. Uh, it goes away quickly, uh, but, you know, uh, but, the, but there's this humility that we see within them. And Jesus is saying this, unless we take on the position like a child in society, unless we take on these lowly positions, we'll never enter into the kingdom of God. We'll miss it. So pride actually keeps us from experiencing God. Pride keeps us from seeing God for who he is. God keeps us from experiencing the richness of his kingdom and the love and the grace that he has for us. Secondly, uh, humility. So first we see the humility. Uh, pride might actually keep us from uh, entering the kingdom. So humility keeps us on track. But secondly, humility is also important because humility gives us the ability to see the other person for who they really are, a child of God. Humility allows us to see others in a way that God sees them. Humility helps us to see the value of others around us. Again, I refer back to Jesus in Matthew 10, 29 to 31. He says this, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So what? So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He says that as humans, uh, that we have this intrinsic value in us to God that we are loved by the Father, that we have worth, that we have value, that we are known. And early on uh, in my relationship with, with Jess, it's Valentine's Day, so I'm using you know, these examples. Uh, early on in, in my relationship with Jess, uh, while we were still dating, I was listening to this talk, and I'm pretty sure it was Mark Driscoll that was giving this talk on relationships. And he was addressing uh, the men in the audience uh, specifically, and this shook me, what he said. Uh, this shook me what he said about relationships and how we're to treat one another. He said this, do you know that the person you're dating or you're hoping to date, do you know that she's actually a daughter of God? That's what, that's what, that's what, he, that's what he said. Don't you know that he's, uh, she's the daughter of God? Would you treat God's daughter that way, knowing that one day you're going to be stand before him on the throne? facing God as, as the father and, and being and taking into account of how you've been treating her. You know, us as, as men, as we ask for the father's blessing uh, in the family, can you imagine walking up to the household of God? That, you know, <laughs> God is my father. You're going to have to talk to him. He's the one that you're accountable for. Like that, that's, that shook me. That, that changed the way that I saw Jess. Not that I was treating her with disrespect, but that raised up her value and seeing the value of her, the intrinsic value that she has uh, in God. See, all of us, whether we're men or women, we have this intrinsic value that God speaks about. Our worth and our value is not based on what we can do. It's not based on uh, whether um, how others see you, or the more you can do, the more accolades that you have, the more favorable you are. No, we have this value in God. Uh, we are loved by God. We are a child of God. Your accolades don't define you. Your failures don't define you. You are a child of God and you have value. And this is also true for the people beside you. Not only you, but also the people beside you. This is also true for the people that you don't get along with. That they are a child of God. And humility 
allows us to see as Jesus sees. Humility allows us to see the world in the way that God created it to be. Now, I want to say this. Does this mean that we need to listen to everybody around us and do everything? No. Uh, we can value others without devaluing ourselves. Hear that. We can value others without devaluing ourselves. Being Christian doesn't mean being a doormat, but being Christian does mean being a door holder. That we allow people to see the kingdom. We allow people to see the gospel. We allow people to see Jesus through our humility, through our lives, through the way that we live, that your role as a Christian, you're part of helping others see the kingdom. But we can't see the kingdom if we don't see it ourselves and if we don't understand it ourselves, if we're not making a way uh, by, by removing the distractions and by removing the distractions, often it's by increasing humility in us. After all, that's how Jesus lived, right? Like Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and Jesus' way of life, some may say it was a degradation. It was him devaluing his, himself. He wasn't devaluing himself. The way he was living, it was actually the pathway to glorification. And we'll see that uh, in the next part of this passage here. But I want to ask you this question here too. It's like, when is it most difficult for you to put others first? Like, when is it most difficult for you to put the other person first, to think of the other person? And I want to say just perhaps this morning, that's exactly where God is calling you to start. As with those relationships, as with those tough conversations, that's where God is calling you to start. Okay, so as we move into verses 5 to 11, uh, I want to prime us with this question is who is an example for you in terms of humility? You might think of some humble people in your lives. Um, you may maybe think of some leaders in the church or some people in your family or maybe some friends, but for Paul, it was Jesus. Like Jesus was the example of perfect humility. So in verses five to 11, he uses Jesus as an example and rightly so for us as Christians, Jesus is our example. He says this in verses five to six, in your relationships with one another. So in the way that you interact with one another, have the same mindset. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who what? Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. In his very nature, God, or being in the form of God, that's another translation. Uh, being in the form of God, he didn't use this as his own advantage. Uh, this word for form, this word for nature, means the outward uh, expression of something that is true inwardly as well. So whatever he is displaying outside is 100% the same of what his heart is like. What is true of his nature, of his, of his essence. Uh, so this word means outwardly matches what is inwardly. There's no hypocrisy here. He is true through and through that God is who he is. And here we come to the word in verse six, uh, did not consider. That's the same word as we saw value uh, back in three and four, uh, that he did not value or consider equality. So he didn't let his equality with God lead his decisions. It didn't lead him to make the decision. It, it, he didn't use that as his own advantage. Uh, ultimately, it was his humility that led him. It was his humility that led him to do what he did. So even though Jesus was God and he had equality with God, he did not consider it. He did not use that God card. He, he did not let this thought lead or to guide him. So we see he starts off in this high level, being God of the universe. And this is how he starts off, even though this is his nature. 
And we continue on reading how even though he, he was God, he didn't use that. Rather, he made himself nothing. You, you see the, the oppositeness of it. Instead of using his God card, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human, human likeness. He made himself nothing, or another translation, you have the ESV, he emptied himself. He emptied himself. But what did he empty himself of? And this is what many scholars and commentators are fascinated by. He didn't empty himself by exactly pouring out, but he emptied himself by what? By taking, by taking the very nature of the servant. I want to recommend to you, I heard this sermon from Daryl Johnson, uh, Worship Central. I think a bunch of us were there. 2015, 16, I can't remember the year. It's probably on YouTube. Uh, but listen to, to, I remember him ex, expositing this passage very, very well. And he made the note that he, Jesus emptied himself by not emptying himself, but he emptied himself by taking on, which is very fascinating here. He, he didn't empty himself of his divine nature. He didn't exactly give that up. He didn't give up his godhood. He emptied himself by taking, uh, not by taking away, but he emptied himself by, but by adding uh, by taking on, by adding in the very nature of a servant. I'm, I'm going on at this point because it's really important uh, for us to understand what God is doing here. It helps us to understand the mind behind the universe. This nature is the same word as before, the same word as we saw in verse 6. So in other words, though Jesus was God through and through, inwardly and outwardly, later here we see that he is a servant through and through inwardly and outwardly that everything about him is also a servant everything he's doing is living out the servanthood this humility that we too are also called to display verse eight and being found it goes a little bit deeper and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by being obedient uh, to death even death on a cross he was found in appearance as a man, going back to end of verse 7, how he was made in human likeness, like humanity, even though he's 100% God, he wasn't merely a human being either, because he was 100% God as well. Even though he was fully man, he wasn't merely human, he was also God. And even though he was God, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we have to understand that in the first century when Jesus was around, the cross was the most humiliating way to die. It was meant for criminals. It was meant for those that were politically unsound. Actually, for those that went against Rome and the emperor, crucifixion was the way that you went. That as people walked by you as you hung on the cross, that you were an example of what it looks like to defy the kingdom of, of, of earth, to defy the Roman empire. Uh, that you were a criminal on display, you, be, you were humiliated. So we see from verse 5 all the way to verse 8 that he is God in heaven, God before the, that made the universe. But we see it end here, lead us to a degrading death. That is what God, uh, Jesus' humility led him to. This is what Jesus' mindset is like. And I love this, and I'm quoting Daryl Johnson again. He says this, our salvation hinges on how he did not consider. 
how he did not consider himself to be God. Our whole salvation hinges on that. How he did not consider himself to be God. He didn't throw that card in. Instead, he considered himself to be a servant. How even though he knew who he was and how he knew he was God, Jesus did not consider. And because Jesus did not consider, we are considered in the kingdom. Do you see that? <laughs> Do you see the beauty of that? How this is all flipped around in God's upside down kingdom. But we need to ask ourselves, what led Jesus to do this? What that led him? We know it's because of his humility. We know it's because of this within him. But Jesus did this because we need him to. We can't reach up to God. So God came down to us and made a way for us. Again, he came down because of our worth to show us how loved you are, how valued you are how cherished you are through his humility on an action on the cross. He was, he has told us how we are loved. We are known. We have value. And because he came down, he's telling you, don't let others define you. Don't let others define your worth, define your value, define what you mean to God, because God has already displayed what he, what you mean to him. But I love this part. And perhaps this is the most important part here is that Jesus did this in verses five, all the way to eight in the way that he lived out. It's because we actually learn something about God. We actually see something behind the mind of the universe. You, I, I marveled at this. Me being a mere human being gets a glimpse. It's like a little Moses moment where God decides to come by the crack in the rock and you get to see a little bit glimpse of him, the, the maker of the universe that when we understand this passage, we get a little glimpse about, of God and who he is. You see, when he was considering here what it means to be equal with God, remember, we read back here that he didn't consider uh, equality with God something to be used, right? So as Jesus, before he became human being, as he was considering what it means to be God, his conclusion wasn't to reign and to use it to take it to his advantage. His conclusion, what it means to be God is to be servant. The conclusion that Jesus came of what it means to be holy, what it means to be God, what it means to be uh, to reign, his conclusion is not something to take advantage of, but it means to take the form of a servant, to understand this, that the mind of God to be God is to be like a servant. That is what God is thinking about. That is what God had and has on his mind as he loves the world, as he loves you. Because everything in our world says to be God means to be on top. Everything in our world means to be at the very top, to have the most of whatever it is. But in God's upside down kingdom, to be God means to serve. And Jesus gets it. And Jesus understands that. That Jesus understands to be God means to be to serve. To be God means to wash people's feet. To be God means to be mocked and to be spat on. To be God means to be crucified for the sake of humanity. That's what it means to be God. And that's our challenge this morning. As we read this text, he's saying, church, have this mind in you. 
have this mind in you. This is the mindset of Christ Jesus. And if you're to love one another, if you'd have this unity with one another, if you're to serve one another, we need to have this mindset in us. As N.T. Wright puts it, divine equality does not mean getting, but giving. And because Jesus lived it, and because he gets it, we get to verse 9. Therefore, because Jesus understands what it means to be God, because he is God and he lived it out perfectly, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father, that that is the right conclusion as we get to understand who God is, that we get to exclaim and exalt Jesus and put him in this place, that as he descended down to the depths of the earth, he has risen up because he understands what it means to be Lord and what it means to be God and what it means to be served, to serve. And church, have this mind in you. Have this mindset of Christ in you, understanding who he is and how he has loved and how he has served. Because Jesus understood the best way of being God is to be crucified. Jesus understood that he needed to descend all the way down to into a tomb, all the way into death, but only to be risen up again. And church, that's where you're headed too, if you understand this. That as we descend in humility, as we give our lives to serve and to love the people around us, as we live this life, if you're wondering, is it worth it to continue, continue on in this path of Jesus? The path of Jesus only leads to glorification. It leads to, it leads to a path where we stand before him one day, where he says, good, well done, good and faithful servant, as we follow him faithfully. It leads to a place where there's no more tears, no more fears, no more crying, no more pain. That's the path that we're leading to. So don't focus on what's happening so much around now. What's going on? Focus on the unseen. Focus on what awaits us. Focus on the future of the hope that we profess. So I end this, this, as I end this morning, church, LLC, humility is a biblical mark of an authentic church. Humility is what grows authentic relationships between us, that we can talk about unity all we want. And we've talked about this a few uh, sermons ago, saying unity is a byproduct. And I think unity is a huge byproduct of humility. That we have, we have this humility to serve and to love one another, then unity will come, then authenticity will come, then true relationship between us will come. And I hope, my hope and my prayer today is really that you would see Jesus in the word, that you will see Jesus because when we see Jesus, we see everything else so clearly. We see everything else so differently. When we serve each other, we get what the kingdom of God is all about as Jesus has displayed for us. I'll leave you with a few quotes if I haven't quoted enough this morning. South African pastor and writer Andrew Murray once said, here is the path to the higher life, down, lower down. Just as water always seeks and fills the lowest place, so the moment God finds men and women abased and empty, his glory and power flow in all the more to exalt and to bless. Another quote, the, don't listen to the voices of the world, but listen to the voice of God because the voices of the world says this, 
Appetite says, be sensuous, enjoy yourself. Education says, be resourceful, expand yourself. Materialism says, be satisfied, please yourself. Psychology says, be confident, fulfill yourself. Pride says, be superior, promote yourself. Humanism says, be capable, believe in yourself. But God says, be wise, humble yourself. Let's pray. Father, we just come at the foot of your cross this morning at your throne and just say, you are Lord and you are God. And we are humbled, Lord, by your sacrifice, how you descended from heaven all the way to death on that cross. And it was for the sake of us to show us our worth and our value. That you did not consider and use your God card, but you considered, Lord, in your equation, what it means to be God is to serve. Father, may we understand your heart. May we have the mind of Christ this morning. May you build in us a humility that is infectious to others, that brings others into the kingdom. May you build in us a humility, Lord, that first understands us so that we would accept, accept you, God, and, and, and hold on to you as our Lord and as our King. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you, Lord, for, for knowing us before we even knew you. And may our lives, in humility, as we bow to you, be re reflection and re response of what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.